Hello and welcome to Revolution 22's Sermon Podcast. We are a church from the downtown area in Boise, Idaho. Thank you for joining us today as we continue to learn from God's Word in the first epistle of Paul to the church in Corinth. We pray that God's Word will be received and will bear fruit in your life. Good morning. Well, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and for those of you that don't know me, I'm a little prudish, and so this is going to be a little rough, I think, but we'll see. So for those that have kids in here, just uh, be aware that we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I'm not going to use any words that are not in Scripture, but there are words that are in Scripture, so there they are. This topic is... You know, as we get into first, it's seven, one through seven is where we're at. But this topic is incredibly easy to, to discredit very easily depending on where you're at. It's really easy to look at what's happening in your own life and say that this doesn't pertain to me for one reason or another, or I can utilize this verse to mean this thing or that thing. The, the principle of this passage is very simple. In fact, I'm going to just tell you what the principle of it is. And I wish that I could leave it there because I would really enjoy not going on. But I think that a lot of it is that after we get this principle out there, so much of this is going to be a removing these different things in, inside of your minds that will say to that will that Satan will use in you to say that this doesn't apply to me, or I can use this verse in this way, and I can say this and do this. And Satan will do that. The principle of this is simple, and it is this that Having holy sex inside of marriage, not outside of marriage, is a defense against the temptation of adultery and sexual immorality. Having holy sex inside of marriage, not outside of marriage, is a defense against the temptation of adultery and sexual immorality. And as I said, if I could leave it there, I would. But what Satan wants to say to you is that this doesn't apply to your specific situation. And you don't need to listen to this. Is that really what God said? So I'm going to pray. And I ask that you guys would be open. And that you guys would, as we go on, that we would, that you guys would push yourselves to um, hear what the scripture has to say, despite what is going on in your life. Father God, we love you so much. Lord, I ask that you'd give me uh, boldness. Lord, this is your scripture. And please let me rely in that, hide behind it, and hide within it, that everything that would be heard would be your words and not my own, and that it would be soft hearts that would hear it. In your holy name, amen. So let's read, starting at verse 1. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise her wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except for perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that one may devote yourself to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control." 
Now as a concession, not as a command, I say this. I wish that all of you were as I, as I myself am. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. Now, I'm going to spend the majority of my time, uh, over the time that we have today, I'm going to spend the majority of it in verses 1 through 5. But I do want to hit 6 and 7 really quick. This 6 and 7, a lot of people take this and they can kind of go each one way or the other. Paul saying, as he's writing, that this is a concession, not a command. And so this is Paul's opinion. So there's a lot of things that we do know, and there's a lot of things that we don't know about why that's there and what that means. Just really quickly, it appears that Paul has is, is single, and, we can, and it kind of goes down into that later on. Um, and it appears that Paul, throughout Scripture, that, that he at one point was married. We don't know if that's true or if that's fully true. We believe that's true because he voted in the Sanhedrin, and that seemed to be a requirement at that time. But... We don't know. That's just something the scripture doesn't say specifically on. But what we do know, and this is really where I think Satan wants to twist it, is that what we do know is that the Holy Spirit wrote 1 Corinthians. He chose to use Paul as a vessel to write that down, but ultimately the Holy Spirit wrote it. And so when we're talking about this, this is not something when, you, when it says that this is a concession, not a command. This is still the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking. This isn't Paul's opinion that you get to choose to listen to or do not choose to listen to. You have to listen to it because it is God's word. And that's six and seven. <laughs> so as a word picture, Genesis 4, through se- 4 verse 7 talks about sin is crouching at the door ready to devour you. Okay, when we get through six, a lot of six, if you guys go back and listen to it, if you, if you have not got the chance to listen to it, I would encourage you to do so. But six, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, the First Corinthians six is really talking about if you had this sin is this beast that's crouching there to, ready to devour you. You've got one beast on one side. I almost imagine like somebody holding two just ferocious dogs that they are barking at you. Now, sin is much greater than that. Sin is this beast, and it is crouching there. On six, Satan wants to do everything he can to get you to have sex outside of marriage. That's one. This other one over here is this other beast of sin and temptation, which wants you to abstain from the holiness of sexual relations inside of your marriage. That's the other side. And Satan wants you to do either one. It doesn't really matter to him which one you do. He wants you to do have sex outside of marriage and not have sex inside of marriage. That's all he really cares about. It doesn't matter otherwise. And so as we go at this, six talked a lot about having sex outside of marriage. Seven is talking about having sex inside of marriage. Verses one through one and two says, Now concerning the matters what which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But because of the temptation of sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. So this this begins kind of a series of questions that the the Corinthian people asked and Paul's finally getting around to responding to. But you can see here that it is good to not have sex outside of marriage and it is good for for married man and woman to have sex inside of marriage. In that, there's a clear prohibition of premarital sex. There's a lot of people who would argue, a lot of evangelicals even, that would argue that what it's really talking about is 
you know, people who are not in a committed relationship, meaning that if you are uh, in an engaged relationship, it's okay because eventually you're going to be there anyways, and and that's you're just kind of moving along the the path that's there ahead of you. And I'm here to tell you that's not true. I can dig into that later, but if you read all of chapter seven, that's not true. And I would be happy to walk that through with you. But what we're talking about is that if you any any sex outside the covenant of marriage is sin. Any sex, any the abstaining from sex inside of marriage, except for one exception, which we'll get into, is also sin. Verse three: The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer and then come together so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Culturally, the frequency of sex is made a joke of. You know, men want it all the time and women tolerate it the best that they can. And that is Satan's best attempt. That's Satan's attempt. It's an age-old attempt. And we can see it here. This isn't something new that the Corinthians are dealing with. It's not something new that we're dealing with. But it is Satan's attempt to trivialize the frequency of sex inside of marriage. There are three elements, I believe. There are more than three, I think. But there's at least three elements of sexual satisfaction inside the marriage of husbands and wives. It's the duty of husbands and wives, to offer sexual relations in such a way that temptation of adultery and sexual immorality are greatly weakened. Let me say that again. It It is the duty of husbands and wives to offer sexual relations to each other in such a way that the temptation of adultery and sexual immorality are greatly weakened. I'm going to hit three that I think are really important and the the three elements of sexual satisfaction, okay? Number one is stated here very clearly, and that is the frequency. Paul talks about it being frequent, and I think we should pursue that as husbands and wives. And those of you that think that are not married yet, please continue to listen to this. Log it away. When the time comes for you to be married, if that's the path that the Lord has chosen for you, please Log this away and remember what we're talking about here. The frequency is something to be pursued. It's not something to be tolerated. It's not something to have an obligation towards, but instead it is you should pursue the frequency of sex inside of your marriage. Okay, that's number one. Number two, this one is real rough, and I think, I think it's implied in it, but feel free to disagree with me, and I'll be happy to talk with you about it, but... Number two is physical attraction. We have a duty to be physically attractive to our spouse. Now, that is a touchy subject, right? In some ways, what we're kind of talking about, has anybody seen the Thor movies? Has everybody seen, I mean, sorry, all of the Avengers movies? All right. In some ways, what we're talking about is we're talking like Thor leading up to the Endgame movies. Okay. And then Thor in the Endgame movie. That's in some ways what we're talking about. We have a duty to our spouse 
to be physically attractive. Now, the things that we're not talking about in that is things that we can't control. If you can't, you cannot control certain things. And that's not what we're talking about. We're not saying that you need to change your hair color. You need to change your size, shape, whatever. That is, that is a byproduct of the picture that the world puts inside of people that try to get you to match up to some sort of image that's inside of your inside of your spouse head whether it's actually there or not or whether you're being tempted to believe it's there that's a picture that you don't need to match up to however there are certain things my wife loves it when i am hygienically clean <laughs> okay and that is some, that's an obligation for me. I would, not be, I would not maintain the level of cleanliness that I do. I know that's a shocker to most of you. But like, I would not maintain the level that I do if it were not for my wife. <laughs> this is not to say that you are to compete with the sex symbols of our day. And you should not even try. There are some of us that put too, far too much effort into looking a particular way. And I'm telling you that you shouldn't do that. That's not what this is talking about. But that we do have an obligation to go out of our way to selflessly look attractive to our spouse. And again, the purpose, the overarching purpose of that is to weaken the temptation to adultery and sexual immorality. I'm going to put a little warning in here. This does not infer that if your spouse does not look a certain way that you have the right to walk away from that. A disappointment in one area is not an honorable discharge from the relationship. Okay, number three, the overall quality of the relationship. If we are not in a good spot in our relationship, then oftentimes we feel that there's a need to push away from your spouse. There's a need to push away from that. Now, if you guys are both healthily seeking the Lord together in community, if you guys are not in a good spot in your marriage, that is the wrong time to push away. And that is not, again, to say that, that you have to be together in all situations, but, but that this is, what this is saying is that that overall quality of relationship is what lends to the quality of the sexual, the sexual intimacy inside of your marriage. And so when you are approaching the overall quality of your relationship and the sexual intimacy is consequently benefited by that, you are then weakening the temptation towards adultery and sexual morality because of the quality of your relationship. We do not have a culture that provides the kind of encouragement and support for a lifelong marriage that we need. In fact, the forces around us are constantly struggling, saying that we are fools to stay in a troubled relationship. The church must therefore double its efforts to create a community where the message and power is in the air we breathe. Verse 5. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by an agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer and then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Guys, at this point, I'm going to take a pause there. At this point, I probably said something that makes you want to not listen. I'm sorry for whatever it is that you're going through. I know it's not easy. 
I don't know what it is, but I know it's not easy. And so, but please do not, because of your circumstances, discredit what the scriptures are saying. Allow the Lord to continue to soften your heart so that you can hear the words here. Do not deprive yourself, do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourself to prayer, but then come together so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. There's an allowance here, not a command to abstain from sex for a specific prayer, specific time of prayer. This is an allowance, not a command, to abstain for specific prayer. Now, what we're not talking about with prayer is not the prayer without ceasing type of prayer. We're not talking about prayer without ceasing, guys. This isn't an indefinite amount of time that you are nebulously praying right? This is, a, this is a time of specific prayer for a specific reason that you have an allowance to stop, an allowance, not the command, an allowance to abstain if you mutually agree to do so. We're not talking about finding yourself or just needing time. Likewise, this does not mean that you can abuse your spouse and they must just take it and remain in an rebu- abusive relationship without seeking help. Nor does this give you an allowance to throw the word abuse around so that you can selfishly abstain from sex, marital sex. And if we come back to our picture of the beast, I'm going to change this picture a little bit. We've got a beast on one side, we've got a beast on the other side. I'm going to change this picture a little bit. There are two ways to destroy a pearl. Either you cut it out early and you take what is not time to take or you throw it before swine. That's two ways to, th- to destroy the beauty that a, pe- that a pearl is. In six, it talks a lot about cutting it out early, that you remove the pearl ahead of time. And there is forgiveness for those of you that have done that. And you have this beautiful pearl, but you will never know the beauty that it would have had had you let it stay in. The other way is to take for granted the beauty of the pearl. And because of that, it has less and less value to you. And so then you take it and you throw it before swine. In one, you have the picture of cutting out and taking sex early, right? That includes if you are dating and you are going to be, going to be married, you are still taking early if you don't wait until you've made that covenant. The other side of it is that if you have that beauty, and you take it and you throw it away because you don't value it. Ultimately, the goal of, of this is to weaken the pond or weaken the temptation to sexual immorality and adultery. And guys, Satan is powerful. He is real and he's not a pushover. He holds millions in his bondage and he's seeking more all the time. But there's a very simple an easy way to, to win this battle. The Son of God came into the world to destroy the works of the devil. The principle of this passage is important, and God makes it clear that there is nothing wrong and everything right about sex inside of marriage. Satan's great strategy when it comes to sex is that everything he does everything he can to encourage sex outside and to discourage sex from inside marriage. The way to win, if we look at 1 Peter 3 and 4, 1 Peter 3, 1-4, His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His glory and excellence by which 
He has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through him, through them, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that the world that is in the world because of sinful desire. Now, what is the escape? The escape is knowing God. Life and liberty comes through knowing God. It says here that he has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. When you pursue God, these things will happen. These things that he's commanding of us will happen. You will not abstain because you will find beauty where the Lord has brought you to a point of finding beauty. He has brought us to this point. Your spouse is your spouse that he has allowed you to be with. And we are to pursue our spouses, but we pursue them through knowing God. You know, I think like I use this whenever I talk to young or almost married couples, I use this like trajectory thing. And you have these two people. You can call them bows and arrows. You, you have these two arrows, right? And they, if you shoot them at each other, you're, you're almost bound to miss. If you shoot them towards a target, you're going to be closest, closer than you ever were if you're shooting them at the same exact target. I believe that marriage has a lot to, is a lot like this. Where, and sex inside of marriage is a lot like this. Where if you shoot and you shoot at the target, then you, you're aiming for the Lord. You're aiming for him. You're aiming for his goodness. And then sooner or later, you find somebody who's there right next to you. That most likely is the spouse that the Lord gave you. But if you take from sex ahead of time, you are taking from something before you've hit the target. Or you hit the target and you remain and you don't make the covenant, even though all intents and purposes you are married. Knowing God is the way by which we pursue sex inside of marriage with our spouses. Now, I'm going to invite the band up. Guys, this is convicting. My wife and I cut that pearl out early. And we justified it because we believed that we were already on that road. We were already going to go that direction. And we cut it out early. We cut it out early. And in doing so, we will never see the full beauty of what that pearl could have been. But the Lord redeems. He redeems what is broken. He pieces it back together. He holds it firmly in his hand and he forgives you. And because you sinned in one area does not mean you continue on sinning. Because you made the mistake once does not mean you continue. Guys, I know that there's ways that we've all sinned. We have all sinned. And when Christ came and gave himself for us, he gave himself for us while he knew you were still sinning. While you were still sinning, he died for you. This passage here is not designed to condemn you. This passage is to give you a hope to know that there is forgiveness, but also to give you a path to follow. Don't let the past haunt you. If you are submitted to Christ and his will, then just as Christ said, he does not condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Let's pray. Father God, we love you so much. 
Lord, I thank you for difficult passages that push us out of our comfort zone. Lord, I thank you for difficult words, Lord, that push us closer to you. I thank you, Lord, that there is forgiveness for sin, that there's forgiveness for the things that we are doing at this moment. Lord, that while we were still sinning, you died for us. Thank you, Lord, that you have forgiven us and that you do forgive us and that there is hope for a future. Lord, I ask that you would please, whatever the situation is, whatever the thing is that we want to take this and say, that doesn't apply to me. Did God really say that? That we would disregard that because we know that it's telling us this and that we would instead pursue you and all the things that you're asking us to do. Lord, if there are people here who are struggling with one side of this to the other, that they would not only pursue you, Lord, but they would pursue you in relationship of the the body of Christ. Lord, that they would bring out whatever it is that they have in their hearts and bring it into the light so that it loses its power so that we can be free in you. Thank you, Lord, in advance for your forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, in advance for your restoration of something that has been marred by our culture, sometimes by our actions, sometimes by our thoughts, sometimes by our lack of treasuring what you've given us. So Lord, we love you so much. We worship you. We glorify you. Lord, we submit our lives, our hearts, and everything that is in us to you. In your holy name, amen. You guys can grab a quick seat. One quick announcement. Our Labor Day bash is coming. Don't forget, sign up for food. We want you there. Brian and Danny, can you guys come join me, please? We have some exciting news that we're going to share with you. I'm really excited about it. Hopefully you are as well. This is Brian. He likes long walks on the beach. No, he's married. Sorry. Come on up here. Sorry. (laughs) If there's anything wrong with today's sermon, you can just email Brian. Can we put his email up there for you? Thank you. This is Brian and Danny. They are elders here as well as I am. And I want to say this really clearly because it's very, very important. They are your pastors just as much as I am. I'm not higher than them. I'm not lower than them. We are equal. So these are your pastors. We are your pastors of your church, and we we don't take this lightly. I love doing this with them. I love their heart for you. They are amazing people, and uh, it is important for us to understand the language because of what we're doing today, which is super exciting. The, the scriptures define elder as overseer, as someone that watches over, takes care of the flock, as shepherds, as leaders, as pastors. We see the word synonymously used with bishop and overseer and elder all across the scriptures. And so, again, like I said, when, when you are upset with something in the church, you can come to the elders. When you need prayer, you can come to the elders. When you want us to, to walk with you with something, when you're looking for advice or seeking wisdom and career changes and those things, we are here to do that with you. Not just, this is not a board of decisions. We don't just sit around and, and push numbers and pencils. We let other people do that stuff. No, I'm just kidding. We do, we do take care of that too. But this is about being an elder. And we are excited about that because about 18 months ago, the three of us, after a bunch of time of prayer, spent some time trying to pray about who we believe that God is leading in this community to bring more people on this team. And so we, we prayed through a number of different people over probably the course of a year, really. And about 18 months ago, we approached a few people and said, hey, would you please pray about whether or not they, that you believe that God has, has led you in your life to be an elder 
at this church. And so we approached these people, they prayed about it, and then we took them through about an 18-month journey, and two of them now are moving forward. And so I want to invite up Jonathan and Colby. Would you please come on up here real quick? So a part of this, we're going to make them stand right here in front and awkwardly. Okay, stand there. So this is Colby, and this is Jonathan, and they are two of the people that were in this process. And so what we've done now is, as we've spent a bunch of time with them, is they are not actually elders yet. They are not your pastors yet. This is, as a part of the examination process, we've, we've done some studying, examining, and a bunch of work through over the course of 18 months. Now we want to invite you as the congregation to join in in this examination, to be extra careful about everything we can in this process. Let me be very clear. It is not a decision made by a congregation. It's a decision made by the elders. But we want you guys to be doing a few things. First off, pray for them. Uh, there has been no shortage of attacks on them individually in their lives and their families over the course of this process. It's been very difficult. It will continue to ramp up and probably be harder even now. And the second part, which is very important to us, is as your elders, we respect, love, and care about you as our flock. And so we want to know if there's anything in either of these individuals that you know that you're like, man, I don't know if I could submit to them because I struggle with this thing. If there's anything out of Titus or 1 Timothy that they are not characterized by in the definition of an elder, we want you to come to Brian, Danny, or myself. If you have some kind of issue or you've seen something in their life that is, that is hey, I'm, I'm not sure. I've seen, I've seen how Jonathan is at work. I mean, he's, he's a horrible, horrible employee. Wait, he works with me. Sorry. If you've seen those things, but this is the point of the examination. And then in a month, we're going to give you guys four weeks in a month in September. We're going to put them before. We're going to pray them into position, and they will then be with us equal, not lower than, not less than, not afterthoughts, equal with us in this, in this process. And so these are, this is Colby and Jonathan. Please pray for them. Please let us know. Please let Brian, Danny, or I know if there's anything in their lives that you've seen that would cause caution for us as a body of believers to submit to them in eldership. Brian, we're going to let you pray then. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we hold up not just these two men, but we hold up their families to you. Lord, creator of space and time, you have throughout the scriptures put leaders in congregations around the world. Lord, we ask that you would make it so clear not only to Danny, Bren, and myself, but to each one in our congregation, that you would work in your heart to know that these are the leaders that you've decided in this space and time to lead this congregation, Lord, just like you've put Aaron and Paul and Moses throughout Scripture. Lord, I would not ask that you would protect them any more than we would anybody else in this congregation. But that what I would ask is that when those attacks come, that they would not only be the leaders here at Rev, but they would grow as followers to you as not only our Savior, but our Lord and our King, Lord. And we would ask that those out there that are feeling a pang of why not me, that, Lord, you would work in their hearts too, that you would work not so much on leadership but on followership right in this moment, Lord. So, Lord, it's, it's with humility, but it's with so much joy that we hold up Jonathan and Colby and we say amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. 
To find out more about our church, please visit revolution22.org. We encourage you to not neglect meeting together as believers. And may you continue to love God and love others.